All right. You know, this last fall, we as a, a church did a series called No Perfect People Allowed. And as we did that series, uh, which the premise of the series was none of us are perfect. I doubt any of us, whether you're like consider yourself a church person or not a church person, would have probably have the audacity to say we're perfect. Um, but the, the picture of the series was that in all the ways we're not perfect, God makes up the space between what we should be and what we aren't yet. And, uh, and although we aren't perfect, we can worship a perfect God because of what he's done in Christ. But that series got me uh, thinking. It's all nice and fine to think, yeah, we're all just a bunch of imperfect people. But if that's true, and it is, it's no wonder the church is messy, right? I mean, we're just a bunch of imperfect people hanging out together. But it's not just a church thing, is it? I mean, people, plain, plain old people are messy. And as it relates to imperfect people, I'm sure there's uh, some imperfect people in your life that you're like, yep, they are a mess. And sometimes they make my life a mess because of, well, simply their uh, messiness. And, uh, and we're, we're, just not, we're just not perfect enough. And here's the thing. We like the idea that imperfect people are allowed in. But I bet it's true in your life. It's definitely true in mine. There are some imperfect people in my life, in my sphere, in my circle, that sometimes I wish were just a little more perfect, right? I mean, there's some imperfect people in your life, you're like, ah, I just wish they were a little more perfect. And, and maybe for you, it's a mom or a dad, you wish was just a bit more perfect. Maybe you have an imperfect sibling or an in-law or an outlaw. <laughs> you just wish they were a little more perfect. Maybe you have an imperfect friend who used to be your friend and they're no longer your friend or a spouse that was once your spouse that's no longer your spouse. And although we like this idea that imperfect people are allowed in because we're imperfect, it sure makes a mess of things, doesn't it? But during that series last fall, this question keep, kept coming up and I'm like, we got to do a series on this. And the question was this, how do I deal with the imperfect people in my life, right? And here's the thing. Oh, we have some ideas of what we can do to deal with them, right? I mean, they're not all that kind and some of them are illegal. Um, but we have some ideas of how we'd like to deal with some of these people. But over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into a series and we're going to look at some principles from scriptures about how to deal with imperfect people. But here's the catch. See, when it comes to imperfect people, we have all, all kinds of ideas of what they need to do to change. But as we look at the principles from Scripture, almost all of them have to do with dealing with the imperfect person that's right here. And that's a challenge. So we're going to look at some principles over the next few weeks. And I, on the front end, I just want to say, guaranteed, this will be one of the worst series I ever preach, okay? So just so you had a heads up, if at the end you're like, that was terrible. I told you, okay? This is going to be one of the worst series. There's going to be moments in the message today, moments in the series that we go through that you're going to want to stand up and walk out. If you're watching online, there's going to be times when you're going to want to yell and scream at the TV or your monitor and throw things. I'm not paying for anything that you damage. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, that's every week. I don't know why you think it's just going to be this series. So, uh, fair, fair enough. So considering this series, I want to encourage you to consider two things regarding the whole series. The first thing is, I want you to consider just deleting everything you hear me say. I'm serious. You hear me say something, just be like, delete, 
Not doing that, not trying that, not believing that, okay? Whatever you hear me say, I want you to consider, just delete it. And the series will just go much better for you, okay? But as you delete what you hear me say, I want to invite you in to wrestle with what the scripture we bring up says. In fact, you could apply this, and you probably should, to any message, any sermon you hear. Delete what you hear the person say and wrestle with if you don't like what they say, okay? So I want to just invite you to do that. The other thing I want you to consider regarding the series, just, cons- just consider skipping this series. I know it doesn't happen often, but as your pastor, I give you permission. Just take the next five weeks off, okay? It's, I'm going to bless you. You're not going to be like a bad Christian or anything. Consider that, especially if you're in a really difficult interpersonal struggle with a relationship right now. And you've decided already how you're going to handle it. And you don't want any input, not from a pastor, definitely. And you don't want any input from God. And so you don't want to wrestle with it. So why come? Just stay home. Save yourself the hour, right? Save yourself the hour. Just consider skipping the series if you've already decided. Because the truths we're going to talk about are going to be hard, but there's so much life that can be brought from it as we apply it. But I will tell you this, it will be hard. So as we talk about imperfect people, what kind of people are are we talking about? We're going to talk about imperfect people in a couple rounds. Uh, Today we're going to talk about imperfect people in the area of, you know, some people just have some crazy views and some crazy ideas. They're just imperfect in the things that they think or how they see the world and some parts of the faith. We're going to talk about those imperfect people. And we're going to talk about imperfect people in regards to the imperfect people that have hurt, damaged, caused pain against us. And what do we do when it comes to confronting and boundaries and forgiving and loving, even if they never change? We're going to wrestle through some of the principles in Scripture regarding those things. Now, I want to tell you on the front end, I'm going to talk about principles from Scripture. There is no way that I can apply every principle to every situation that every one of you face right now. And so it is going to be so important. We come on Sundays and we all sit in rows and it's great to hear a message in rows, but to apply a message, to apply the truth of God's word is best done in circles. And so if you're not part of a small group, I want to encourage you, find some people that you can wrestle these principles and you can say, here's the principle, here's the passage. How do I apply in my specific situation right now? What would it look like? And for some of you, and just so you know, I'm going to be doing this in my small group. We're going to be meeting over the next five weeks um, and, and we're going to be wrestling through the, 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 the passages that are brought up. But the other thing is, some of you may be in such a, a, a significantly hard place right now, you may just need to find a counselor, a professional counselor to help you walk through how to apply some of these principles. And so if you know a counselor, I encourage you, you know, if you're in that place, go find them. Uh, if you don't, we have two fantastic counselors here at the church and they'd love to just be, you know, busy day and night and night and day. So just, just call them, okay? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, speaking of imperfect people, let's dive in. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to people's views and opinions, that some people are just space takers? It's like you're having this, I'm not talking about physical space, they're not big, but I'm talking about like you're having a conversation and then they enter the conversation and, 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 and suddenly all the room in the air just leaves. 
All the air, air in the room just leaves, right? And all of a sudden, it's like there's no space to have a different opinion. Their rightness just took all the space, right? Their passion, their rightness. They are just space takers. They're so passionate. And before we get on our high horse, because we all know some people like this, isn't it true we've all been this? I mean, come on. We've all been space takers at some point in our life. And I know for me, I can get passionate about a certain topic or issue and I can just like dive in and also I'm like, I just sucked all the air out of of the room, right? There is no space for a different opinion and we can be space takers. Well, the New Testament and Jesus and the writers of the New Testament say, actually for followers of Jesus, as it relates to secondary issues, we are not to be space takers. We are actually to be space makers, And as we hear that, we're like, hmm, that's good. It's not good. Okay, I guarantee you. The reason this is so hard, the reason we are tempted to be space takers and we refuse to be space makers, because in the areas where this becomes a challenge, it's almost always on divisive and polarizing issues. And that's what makes this so hard because it becomes emotional. We feel it so strongly. And we can easily become space takers rather than space makers. And I'll give you kind of the feel of this, how, just how hard this is. Let me just bring up, uh, sorry to do this to you. Let me just bring up some divisive and polarizing issues that we, you know, that we struggle to become space makers and we just take the space. So you're going to feel a little fire here, okay? So just so you know, just be ready. Can you believe that some people in the last election voted red (laughs) on earth? Can you believe that in the last election some people voted orange? (laughs) Come on. Can you believe that some people voted green? And some people, get this, they had the audacity to vote blue. Get your head out of the sand, right? Do people even have a brain these days? Feel the tension, right? And suddenly we don't want to be a space maker. We want to be a space taker. Because we feel strongly about some of those things, don't we? Now those aren't the only, there's other things, right? Can you you believe some of the, the ideas people have about how involved or uninvolved the government should be in society? They're crazy. Can you believe some of the ideas that people have on how to deal with inflation? Or... Can you believe some of the ideas people have on what to do with climate change and how to fix it? I mean, do they even know? Can you, this one's a hot button topic in our town. Can you believe some of the ideas people have about which school to send their kids to? And this is tension, right? And we want to be a space taker more than a space maker. And it goes even further, right? There's theological issues. I mean, some of the ideas that people have on mode of baptism And some of the things that people, Christians, believe on how eschatology and how the world's going to end, do they even read their Bibles, right? You've thought these things. And some of the things that people, Christians, believe about women in ministry or women in leadership, and some of the things that Christians believe about working on Sunday or hats in church or social drinking, right? And suddenly the tension starts to rise. We don't want to be space makers, Suddenly we have this temptation to be a space taker. When I bring up the divisive and the polarizing 
issues that face us. You know, there was this other divisive polarizing issue that happened recently. Can't, I can't remember. Can you guys remember what, what it was? I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> COVID, right? And what a time when it became difficult for all of us. And if, in case you haven't felt the fire, I'm going to bring some fire, okay? So you're just, you're prepared. The tension that that brought. Can you believe that even to this day, there are people that think the best way to curb a pandemic is through lockdowns and vaccines and through, through masks. I mean, can you believe after how we've seen how insignificant COVID was? And I'm an equal opportunity offender. Can you believe that there are people to this day that think that the whole thing was a hoax and COVID was nothing and we didn't need lockdowns and masks and vaccines? And you see the tension. And these are situations where we struggle to be space makers. <laughs> it's a little hot in here, okay? So we, we time out on the message, okay? We're, we're just going to breathe a little bit here. So let's do five seconds, breathe in, inhale, and then five seconds, exhale, okay? Everybody together, here we go. One, two, three, go. Inhale, and for five seconds, exhale. Don't worry, this isn't some yoga thing. Oh, that's another, oh, there we go. Lost you again. These divisive issues, right? It's good to laugh. It's good to laugh. The reason I bring these up is not just to fire us up to be a jerk. I know I'm sometimes a jerk. But the reason is the passage we're going to dive into was so emotional, so tension-filled, but we can miss it because when we read about what divided them, we think, oh, come on. Really? To which they would, if they were here, would probably look at us and say, oh, come on, right? Because it's not emotional to us. We can miss the tension that was there. But I guarantee you, for the first century Christians who wrestled with these issues, it was just as and maybe more emotional and divisive than the, some of the things I just brought up. And Paul writes to them in this emotionally charged argument and says, how can you be, how are we called to be a space maker? Now, the issue that they struggled with, and you can read the New Testament, Acts 15, the church almost split over Jew-Gentile issues. I mean, this was going to break the church before the church was ever even born. It was huge. But in Romans, to the church in Rome, which was divided between Jew and Gentile, and they were segregated. You might remember, Paul actually had to go to Peter, who was an apostle, and confront him to his face over these kinds of issues. It was divisive. And to the church in Rome, two issues seem to come up. And we're going to dive into it. And it's food, food, probably food that either was dietary things of some kind, or maybe eating meat that had been sacrificed to an idol, and the second was, is one day more important in the week than the rest? And this was hugely divisive. And in this divisive environment, Paul writes to the church and says, here's how you can be a space maker. So if you have Bibles, go to Romans chapter 14. In fact, it's all of Romans 14 and half of Romans 15. He just riffs on this over and over and over. But guess what? He gives away the entire secret in the first verse. And more than that, he actually gives it all away in the first word of the first verse. You ready? To hear the secret to being a space maker rather than a space taker. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Accept. <laughs> to which we're like, what? But they are so wrong. Mm -hmm. They are. But I want you to accept them. 
And accept does not mean just acknowledge their existence. I acknowledge you exist without a brain, but I acknowledge you exist. That is not what Paul says. The word accept in the Greek literally is this idea of bringing into fellowship, this close connection. (laughs) Really? Those people who are that wrong? Accept. Notice he does not say agree. Thank God he does not say agree, right? Because I read my Bible, I know they're wrong, and Paul says, you are right, they're wrong. And to the other side, you're right, they're wrong. Doesn't matter. He does not say agree. He says, accept. And then he riffs on this. And the rest of the chapter and a half, the rest of the verse is just explanation, continuation, exposition. He just defines how this and why and how and all of that. Here's what he says. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Accept those who think differently on issues that are not foundational to the Christian faith. In essence, to sum this up, he would say, keep secondary issues where they belong. And do you know where secondary issues belong? It's in the root word. They belong second. And we get something wrong when we take a secondary issue, Paul says, and we move it to the front of the line. He says, you got something wrong. So what do I mean by secondary and and primary issues? We have this saying in the free church, which is our association of churches, that goes this way. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, charity. In all things, Jesus Christ. In essentials. And by essentials, those are the things that are most important, that are, that, that are reflective of our salvation. In essentials, essentials, some of our essentials, I'm not going to go through all of them, some of them are the existence of God. That's an essential. Uh, who is Jesus? That's an essential. That Jesus' death and resurrection was for our salvation, and there's no other way to heaven. That's an essential. These are essentials of the faith. There's things in Scripture that are clear moral guidelines in the New Testament that we hold on to. And what Paul says, or what, what this says, and I think what Paul is saying is, On those issues, we are not called to make space. We are called to keep the space. Or another way to say it, we are called to keep the faith. But on secondary issues, non-essential issues, we are to be space makers. We are to keep secondary issues where they belong, and they belong second. Just so you know, what you believe about mode of baptism, or what you believe about women in ministry, or what you believe about social drinking, or what you believe about COVID, or what you color you voted for and what Alberta hockey team you cheer for, (laughs) will not keep you from heaven. Though I will say this about the Calgary Flames. I do have to say (laughs) one thing. Although cheering for Calgary will not keep you out of heaven, it most definitely will make it that you don't like it when you get there. And here's why. There are no flames in heaven. That's the other place. And Jesus said that. Jesus said that. I know. I know. Sorry. I went too far. I took the, I took the space. Oh. Cheer for the Oilers. I know. Okay. That's secondary. That's secondary. Well, Paul goes on. Okay. So accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable. If it's not essential, leave it. Don't make it a primary matter. And then he goes on in in, in two verses. He says, the one who eats everything, remember that's their challenge. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not and the one who does not eat everything because of conscience must not judge the one who does. What does he mean by contempt? 
Here's what he means. It's, it's, it's this kind of picture. It's the picture that says, someone who doesn't do what you do and you're free to do it, oh, come on. Just get over yourself. Eat the meat. Right? Oh, come on. Like, contempt. He says, don't treat with contempt. But he said, he's an equal opportunity offender too. He says, whoa, whoa, if you're on the other side, do not judge. And by judge, he does not mean do not discern. We are called to discern. But this idea of judge is what Jesus talked about in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, do not judge or you too will be judged. And Jesus was not saying do not discern. What he's saying is do not take a picture of judgment that says I'm the superior, you're the inferior, as though I'm God to you and I make a verdict on you. That's God's territory, not ours. And on secondary issues, he said don't treat with contempt and don't judge. Why, Paul? And Paul sums up, this is so powerful. Here's why. For God has accepted them. If the kingdom of God is wide enough to receive them, then who are we to push them out? If the kingdom of God is wide enough to accept them, who are we to push them out? See, I have this sneaky suspicion. And one day we're going to get to heaven. There's going to be some vaccinated people there. <laughs> and there's going to be some unvaccinated people there. And there's going to be some people that had one view on women and leadership, and there's going to be some people that had a different view on women and leadership. And there's going to be some people who drank socially and some people who chose not to there's going to be some people who sent their kids to a Christian school and some that sent them to a public school and some that didn't send them to a school at all. That's homeschool. Just so you know. <laughs> There's going to be all... I know this maybe sounds far-fetched, but I actually think... I know this is hard to believe. When we get to heaven, there's going to be some people from Choshu in heaven. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> God has accepted them. Right? We can't make these, these secondary issues primary issues. Because here's the deal. If we do, we're going to get to heaven and we're not going to like it all that much. Because guess what? They are going to be there too. And if the kingdom of God is wide enough to accept them, then we should be accepting them. Because the kingdom of heaven is come to earth. And maybe you think, ah, but this is so different than my issue. That my, mine, it's got to be a primary. Let me just say this, just, just so you know, James Dunn says this, dietary rules along with the Sabbath rank together as chief two hallmarks of covenantal obedience and disloyalty. Meaning this, they had Bible verses to, pack, uh, to back up their view. You read uh, Daniel chapter one, you know the story of Daniel and his friends. What did they stand up to Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan king, to declare to the pagan world at the time? We are God's people. We are different than everyone else. What did they do? They chose to eat something different than the king ate. It was over dietary rules. So when the first century said, whoa, this is like primary issue, they're like, we have Bible verses to, to, to back that up. And Paul says, ah, God has accepted them. And he goes on, who? Who are you to judge someone else's servant? 
They're not your servant. To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. And then he riffs on that for a number of verses. And I want you to read all of 14 and the first part of 15 when you go home later. We just don't have time this morning. But then he summarizes up in 13. He says this. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Stop doing that. In contrast, instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Here's what he's saying. When it comes to secondary issues, being right is not the most important. See, you can be right, fully right, and still be in the wrong. And but Paul says that. In fact, he would say on their issue, he knows what's right. But he says it's not about being right when it comes to this secondary disputable matter. Something more important than right matters, and it's the person who's in front of the position that you are seeing in them. And then he sums it all up. He says, let us therefore make every effort, not some effort, every, and it's going to take a lot of effort, every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. He does not say, make every effort to prove everyone else that they're wrong and that you're right. Make every effort to do what leads to peace, not to put a stumbling block, but to build up everyone. Okay, okay, okay. Paul, can we then believe anything on anything? Does it matter if I think anything? Does it matter? Absolutely it matters. In verse 5 of the same chapter, he says this. One person considers one day, he's talking about Sabbath day, one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day of like, every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Fully convinced doesn't mean like, oh, I kind of wonder, maybe, think, it could be. No, no, no. You should have chapter and verse on your convictions. You should hold them tightly. Your personal convictions, you should know on all the divisive things. I, you should study scripture and you should come to a conclusion for yourself. But it's for yourself. Have strong personal convictions, but keep them personal. Don't make them for everyone else on secondary issues. Do not impose your ideas. Can you have respectable, friendly debate? Yeah, we should. As Christians, we should, we should struggle with these secondary issues. And sometimes I need to learn some things from another side that I didn't know. But when we start to impose them on others and close the door of the gospel to which God has opened to them, we've stepped out of line. Paul sums this all up in verse 1 of 15. He says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. This is such a challenging verse. Do you know what the word bear means? It literally means put up under the weight. And what does he say? Put up under the weight of what? Their wrongness, <laughs> their failings, their weakness. It's like, I'm right. Yeah, you're right. But your job isn't to make sure everyone thinks like you on your secondary issues. It's to put up under the weight. So rather than please yourselves, and here's what he says, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Is there anything about us in there? As we deal, some of us want to deal with the imperfect person. The Apostle Paul says, actually, to deal with the imperfect, you got to deal with you. In fact, this is so transformative. I want us to read this out loud together. If you're online, just read this out loud, okay? One, two, three. Each of us 
should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Why would we do that, Paul? For even Christ did not please himself. Oh, you had to bring Jesus into it, right? Yeah, because we're called to be devoted followers of Jesus, and we define a follower of Jesus this way, growing to be someone who lives like Jesus would live. And on these disputable, sometimes emotional, and and divisive, polarizing issues, how would Jesus live if he were living in my shoes today? If the gospel's this wide, how would Jesus live with those that I think are so wrong, and yet if God has accepted them? That's how we're to live. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And then Paul prays this prayer for the church in Rome, which I think is a prayer for us as well. May the God who gives endurance, yep, we're gonna need that. And the God who gives encouragement, oh, I'm gonna need that. Give you the, what, same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Grow to be someone who lives like Jesus would live. So that with one mind, you may all think the same on your secondary issue. It's not the most important. So that with one mind and one voice, you may, as you look past the secondary issues and welcome each other, then you glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're like, Paul, that's a lot. That's like a chapter and a half. You've been riffing on all kinds. Summarize it for us. And he's like, I will. Let me summarize all that I just said in one verse. He says this. Start with acceptance. Accept one another. Why? Just as Christ accepted you. And what will the outcome be? This is what brings praise to God. This is what brings honor to God. To summarize this, I think we could say, keep secondary issues where they belong, second, and keep primary issues where they belong. But as it relates to secondary issues, guess what, guess what the primary issue is? It's not an issue. It's a person. Keep people where they belong, which is first. So I want to ask you today, we talked about a lot of kind of divisive issues And there's probably some that I didn't bring up that you can bring up because you're feeling it. In what areas are you tempted to close the narrow gate of the gospel? And the gate and the road is narrow, but it is just as wide as Jesus put it. And the kingdom of heaven is just as wide as God has determined. It is not our job to narrow the gate. Maybe I'll ask you this question. What would it look like for you to put a you in front of a view that they hold or to put a person in front of the position that they hold to? And this is hard because a lot of times we see people and we see them through the position that they hold on a particular topic. And do you know what we do with positions? We destroy them with truth. That's what we do with positions. But on secondary issues, we are not called to destroy people. And so we're to move by seeing them not position first, person 
first. Position second. Secondary issue. What would it look like for you to put a view, to put a person in front of the position that they hold? Keep secondary issues where they belong second and keep people where they belong, which is first. You know, I am so proud of our church. We don't do this perfectly because we're not perfect people. And I'm not a perfect person. And there's some things that probably in these issues we've created hurt and pain. We're going to talk about what it looks like to forgive in the series as well. But I'm proud of this church because so often when we are tempted to close the gate of the gospel, you, so many of us, have gone back to the gospel and said, if they're accepted, then why would I close them out? And I think this is a picture of the kingdom. And I think the world should look at the church and should look at Mount Olive Church. And they should say, we are divided on all these issues, and yet the church comes together, and the division doesn't ruin them. There is something different to which we'd say, yes. It's not us, it's Jesus. We are united in Christ, and we put people in front of a position they hold. And I've seen you guys do this, and I want to encourage you, do it more and more. And we have people in the church that are vaccinated and unvaccinated on our staff. We have people that has, see positions in ministry and theology differently. And yet it's a wrestle and sometimes we grate on each other. We, we are committed to Jesus and the gospel. And so I want to invite you, maybe as, as, as you've been tempted to narrow the gate, narrow the kingdom. You say, God, how wide is it for you? And may I walk in step with you. You know, a number of years ago, my wife was in a conversation with some ladies, and um, we had a school of, we, our, the school we chose to send our kids to was different than many of theirs, and was brought up, and one of my wife's friends took the conversation and backed our decision, even though it was different than her own. And it was so encouraging, because it, it was a picture of the gospel being wide enough it wasn't a primary. It didn't need to ruin the friendships. And it meant so much. And may we pass that on to others. Whatever, there's so many issues we could bring up. May we be those who open the gospel gate as wide as Jesus opened the gate. In closing, I want to pray a prayer over you that Paul prayed over the Romans in verse 5 and 6 of 15. So stand with me and let's pray together. Let's pray. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week as we continue the series. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountolliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.